Well, hello there. We are back with another installment of our cross-country ski World Cup race reports. It is still Hear Her Sports, and I am still your host and producer, Elizabeth Emery, but these race reports are something slightly different. Thanks to the wonderful folks at U.S. Ski and Snowboard, Hear Her Sports is following the cross-country ski World Cup racing season and reporting back to you through these conversations with the U.S. female ski racers. Joining me today is one of the younger members of the team, Sophia Laukley. Sophia's first World Cup start was in Lottie, Finland in January 2021. Since then, Sophia has continued to move up on the results page. She now has more than 10 top 30 results. Highlights include a third place finish in the crazy final climb of the Tour de Ski last year. And so far, this season is going very well for her and for the team. We talk about just how well both the U.S. men and women are doing and possible reasons for that success. In Yalavari a few weeks ago, Sophia was part of the 4 by 75 kilometer relay team that finished on the podium in third. This was the relay Rosie Brennan talked about in the previous race report. Be sure to go back and listen to that one if you have not already listened to it. In addition to all of her terrific skiing, Sophia is also a professional trail runner. This summer, she won the overall in the prestigious Golden Trail World Series. In our conversation, she explains how her running, training, and racing meshes well with her skiing. Sophia and I also go over some details about start gates and poles, staying healthy during the season when living so closely with all the other World Cup skiers, and some goals for the rest of her season. I love languages, so before we meet Sophia, I want to be sure to mention that she is fluent in English, Norwegian, and in French. Well, hello, Sophia. Thank you for being here on the podcast. It really is great. You guys are just killing it. And so congratulations to the entire team, both men and women, and for your racing and great skis and also for your good health. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah, it's definitely been a very cool start to the season for the whole team. Do you remember a season like this or or explain maybe how unusual this is or special, I should say? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like interesting for me because I haven't been on the team or like I've this is probably my third season starting World Cup. And I mean, even just two, three years prior to this, like period one is always just kind of like slow moving for everyone. And that's kind of the expectation. So it's not like we're all bummed out, but like this, the contrast of how this, the first few weekends have gone, it's, oh, it's really exciting. And like, I think especially for the men's side, it's just a whole new level now. And I think it's, it's been some years where like, the women have gotten a lot more credit and it's it's really cool to see that the men even have better days than the women now. So I think it's really exciting to be a part of. Like that's easy to say. It's hard to like compare to past years because I just haven't been around for too long. But you can definitely tell that the whole team is just pretty fired up that we're making such a statement. <laughs> you know, I I, I don't want to like curse it in any way, but do you guys have any sense of, you know, like what has led to this? I mean, as you pointed out, it's not just one person who's doing really great. I mean, the entire team is doing really great from the athletes to the tech, to the wax people, to the coach, everything. Yeah, it's a good question. I think no one on the team really knows, but I mean, just in general, the team has taken a lot of steps in just becoming 
more professional. We all like individually, I think, have learned what we personally need to become better skiers. And like, we've definitely had some discussions on the team. Like we're all, yeah, we're kind of just becoming a bit more independent and making our own plans. And a lot of us have probably changed quite a bit with our training and coaching and teams and everything. But I think with that also just having like strong teammates and everything helps everyone get better. And yeah, I think it's not like a super tangible thing that has made us so much more successful, but I think uh, just general experience and yeah, really pushing each other, but also really becoming just more professional skiers as individuals and as a team just has taken us to the next level for sure. So you're not attributing it to some kind of magic winter training or anything or summer training for you guys? <laughs> I don't know. Very well could be, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard to decide what it really is. Well, this past weekend was the World Cup in Ostersund. I'm trying to pronounce these names <laughs> as best I can, uh, which is in Sweden again. So let's focus on that. What was your biggest takeaway for you personally or, or for the team, whatever you like? Yeah, I mean, it was... I always like really enjoy having the sprints to watch because I, I never compete in the sprints. And so it's really nice for me to like with most World Cup weekends, getting to watch some races just to kind of like take some of the tension off. But this weekend was just completely different. I I really have never experienced watching a race like with I mean, mainly just the men's sprint. It was we had a little bit of like a watch party with everyone who wasn't racing and it was truly like the most fun I've ever had watching a race, like equally stressful, just we, none of us could really believe what was going on. And to see like JC and Ben and yeah, we were just kind of like jaw on the floor. Is this really happening? And it was, it was really a wholesome experience. Cause just, I have like videos of everyone in the room and everyone just like jumping up and crying and like, throwing things because they're just so excited and yeah I've I've never watched races with that much excitement and like for me took away so much motivation for my own race and like really was inspired and I can definitely attribute some of that because my Sunday race or in the 10k skate like was probably by far my best race ever on World Cup and I mean to begin with I was super excited for that I always loved 10k skates and the course was super fun but I totally took some motivation from the previous day and kind of wanting to at least like personally replicate a really statement result. And yeah, I think, I mean, never been to Ostersund before, but that was probably one of my favorite World Cup weekends for sure. We'll talk more about the course and, you know, why it was so fun and yeah, your own own race. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, uh, I love climbing and uphills and um that was that was basically the entire course was just really steep and long climbing so I knew going into it it was it was going to suit me well and yeah I think just like the grindier course um helped a lot and I was finally pretty excited that it wasn't like negative 20 degrees celsius and all about (laughs) freezing and worrying about that and so I think I was just in like a little bit of a happier mood on the start line but yeah, it was fun because it was like a shorter loop. And so a lot of like, you're, it was like an individual race, but you were seeing a lot more skiers out there with more of the lapping. But 
yeah, I didn't want to like put too much pressure on, but I think in the back of my mind, I was like, this course is quite perfect for me. Skate race, it's individual, like just from the two previous weekends, I, I knew I was in pretty good skiing shape. And so I, I'm definitely someone who doesn't always like want to say my goals out loud so that people, yeah, I know it's just easier to keep loftier goals in the back of your mind. But I was, I was pretty excited to see if I could get a top 10 in this race. And yeah, I've never, or like I finished the race quite early compared to all the other higher level skiers. And so I was just at the finish line, like staring, like watching and watching the results, which I've never done because I haven't really been that obsessed, I think, with trying to achieve like a specific result. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a new experience for me and honestly probably couldn't have gone better, but it was definitely fun to like be so excited for a race and have like kind of the dream result actually follow through as well. Yeah, I, I will say out loud that you got eighth, which was definitely the top 10. It was amazing. Yeah, super exciting. <laughs> Thank you. I mentioned early on that it's great that you guys are staying healthy. I noticed in the commentary that COVID is going around. Are you guys doing anything special to stay healthy? You know, like, what are your thoughts about that? Does it worry you? Yeah, I think we've kind of learned that it's pretty inevitable for COVID, among other things, to like circle the World Cup circuit, just because... A lot of the time we're staying with a bunch or like maybe all the teams at the same hotel eating at the same buffet or whatever. And no matter how cautious really you are, it's it's pretty hard to completely avoid it. And it feels very random because, yeah, like our team masks up. A lot of the teams mask up. We like, yeah, are, are quite health conscious, maybe not relative to like two years ago with like peak COVID. But yeah, you kind of want to find the balance between being cautious about health, but also not being overly stressed about it. Cause that can, that can just be too exhausting. And you hear skiers going down with COVID left and right. And it's also stress when you hear that some people, they get it and two days later, they're fine and skiing just the same, or they have to take like two months off. It's definitely, I would say like a range on the team with, with like caution and stress, which is kind of how it works. But I think our approach as a team is it is quite personal because yeah, everyone just has their own how much they want to be cautious or how like, yeah, I guess it's just for me, it's, it's something that I find too exhausting to be overly cautious about if I want to like still enjoy life on the world cup. And with that, I like understand the risk of getting sick. But I think just in the past three years, it's kind of been an eye opener that like, no matter what you do, you can, anyone can get sick and it sucks. It's tough that it's, it makes such a difference, but it's obviously not fully in control. So yeah, I think each team has like their own health protocols. Yeah. COVID is probably going to be going around every season yeah, for the foreseeable like future. It. Yeah. yeah. Well, back to the racing. I have a couple of questions from watching the commentary and just want to get some explanation of things. So first off, how do those start gates work? 
Because, you know, like I'll hear the beeps and to me, it looks like you guys leave before the beeps are done. And right. so clearly I'm not understanding what's going on. Yeah, no, it's it's a little bit unique. So you have, well, for individual races, it's like 30 second um, intervals. But after, once you hit three seconds before your start time, you're actually able to go. And that's because how the chip, like, cause you wear a chip around your ankle and like, it's not like you fall started if you start three seconds ahead. Your chip still only times as soon as you go through the gate and then cross the finish line. And so it's just, you have, it's actually three seconds on each side. So you can go three seconds late or three seconds early. And that like six second buffer, you can, you can start whenever you want. And oh wow, okay. uh, yeah, so it's, I think for most skiers, we always kind of go on the early side so that you're closer to the person ahead of you who just started. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's nice because it leaves you a little wiggle room um, if something were to go wrong. I don't know what the actual reason for it is. That is something I definitely learned in my first races here because I wasn't aware of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. How do you approach starts? Because the other thing I notice is that, you know, some people really shoot right out of the gate and some people are a little bit more measured. How, what's your approach? Yeah, for me, I I like would like to think that I kind of sprint out of the start, but I actually, I don't because I don't have that ability. But <laughs> I'm someone who, uh, like with my pacing and just because I'm very much a distance skier, I know I can go out super hard and have it not really be detrimental. Um, so I really just go all out right from the beginning and don't stress too much about pacing. Cause for me, it's especially like, honestly, still 10 Ks are pretty short for me. And so I need to go, go, go. It probably doesn't until like a 30 K I would say, or 20 K I like, I'm maybe a little bit more cautious off the start line. Are there 20 Ks or even uh, longer than that? Are they upcoming that you're going to be able to race? Yeah, well, most most of the ones longer than 10K will be mass start. In Trondheim, we have a 20K skiathlon. Oh, and great. So, yeah, that'll be cool. But yeah, kind of like with a mass start, you're not really in control of the starting uh, speed. You could of say. course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's great. So you're going to be doing that one, the 20K, yes, I assume. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. And so then my other question is, it seems like a lot of poles are breaking. Tell me about that. And, you know, like my poles, I I don't know how I would break them. They're stiff enough. <laughs> yeah, it is honestly like also pretty random in skiing, but it's definitely not like more often than normal. It's especially common in sprints. It like really doesn't, it's, it's odd. It can take like the smallest, smallest thing to break a pole or they can be like incredibly strong and you smack something and it's all good. But especially with sprints and other skiers, like just getting a tip tapping your pole or yeah something that has been an issue this year that was like the start gates have been very because the start gate hits your pole um which has always been the case but for some reason a lot of the venues this year have had really really aggressive gates opening and people have been breaking their poles out of the start which is really sad (laughs) to like off the start line have one pole so i'm sure that will be addressed I know it's like I have tried breaking poles like on purpose and it's really hard. And then for some reason in races, it takes like the smallest little thing to break it. So at the start gate, you're talking about that red pole that you're seeing in front of the skier Mm -hmm. that flips out 
when you go and that's yeah. hitting the pole and that's what is breaking it? Wow. Yeah, exactly. Which it should not happen. And it normally no, it doesn't. should not happen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there, I think in the very first weekend in Ruka, there were a, like yes, all were. the first few women. And luckily they like, I think you can like dial the, the strength of it. So they had to fix that, but yeah, it's not ideal breaking a pole. It's definitely better to do it in a distance race, like sprinting. If you break a pole, you're kind of, you're kind of cooked. You're kind of, yeah. yeah. You're out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. So are your poles way fancier than like the average pole? (laughs) I guess fancy is just means lighter. So like the cheaper or like what most skiers, when, if they're just going to be recreational skiing, like they're just stiffer, heavier poles, which that means that they're probably harder to break. And I think the trade-off then is the poles that we use are just, they're like all carbon and way lighter, which if I think about it, like, I don't know if I would, my performance would really deteriorate if I had heavier poles. Well, I can't help but ask you about your running this off season. <laughs> you know, like, you did so well, eh? <laughs> and, you. you know, did you see any benefit in the skiing? And sort of what are your thoughts about that in relation to what you're doing now? Yeah, I definitely noticed this summer how my skiing, I think, was helping my running. Like, I really didn't change my, like, my whole summer training was all catered to skiing and never altered or, like, tried to run more because I was having really good results in running. I was like, I don't really see the point to changing that. And, I mean, I I still don't totally know why it works so well, but I, I can just imagine that the cross training and I'm able to just train more hours and more volume because I'm doing things like roller skiing and a lot of strength work training and that's just way less impact. And so I'm, yeah, just able to train many, many more hours, um, which then correlates to just a really strong endurance base, which I think is just allowing me to run (laughs) faster, I guess. I was definitely a little bit skeptical or, or nervous for to start the ski season because I think last year I, I felt like the running took a lot out of my skiing. I, I, yeah, I don't think I recovered super well from racing and the, yeah, I just hadn't figured out the balance super well, but this year I think I'm definitely a little bit surprised with just how well the first few races have gone. Cause I finished the running season like late October which didn't give me a whole lot of time before skiing started. I don't know if I can say that the running is what has helped my skiing, but I think vice versa for sure. But I can probably confidently say that the running didn't like harm it. So that's really, really exciting for me because in both ski world, running world, that there's a lot of like questioning, I guess, of like, oh, a combination of, don't you think you'd be read better at running if you didn't ski and same thing the other way around. It's, it's definitely interesting to try to balance the two environments as well. But for me, yeah, it's just incredibly rewarding to seem like I've actually come up with a balance where I either benefit or just have perfectly found the balance um, to make both work. I wondered because you know, I'm older. And so I just marveled at how you were able to like rock it down the hill. And I'm just wondering maybe 
there's something about that, just a fearlessness of being able to do descents. Because certainly I marvel at the same watching you guys race downhill and skis. I mean, obviously it's different, but there's, yeah. there's something similar. I It's funny because like I personally think of myself as like one of the more scared runners and skiers like <laughs> downhill. I, <laughs> especially in running, like I am... I get really stressed on like very technical, rocky, steep stuff. Um, and you should be stressed. It looks yeah. stressful. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like there's way more risk in like, you can definitely get injured falling and skiing, but it's not as terrifying, I would say, as running like down these crazy rock faces. Yeah. But I mean, that's something, especially in running is just compared to last year, like how much better I've gotten at that just from practice and experience you just kind of when you become more comfortable start thinking less and yeah it just becomes easier to yeah you can't train yourself to not be scared but by just doing it more and more you can definitely get better like I've I've never been afraid I guess skiing downhill I just I don't know how to do like what Jessie does where she absolutely like mobs down all these hills and makes up like 30 seconds on everyone else so I don't know if I'll ever reach that level but I honestly would say probably the running from like the mental piece has helped my my downhill skiing well that's cool that's cool yeah well we're talking on Tuesday I assume yesterday you traveled and today what will you be doing yeah so kind of a new or I've I've been working with a new coach this year and finally my winter training has always been like all over the place and I never felt like it was super effective in that way. And so I, I've come up with kind of a routine. I do travel days and then Tuesdays I will like take fully off and kind of just sit in bed and really do nothing. Um, so it's, and then I like on travel days, try to get in some sort of training and it's not super fun, but I really enjoy like pure, pure rest days having nothing to do and that kind of resets me for the upcoming races and training for the couple days before the races so yeah today I've kind of just it's fun when you get to go to places like right now we're in Trondheim so there actually is kind of some exploring or things to do instead of in like a little mini arctic town um so yeah I've been doing a little exploring Today. Oh, that's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that you do that. I always wonder if, you know, you get to explore where you yeah. guys all travel. I mean, it would be a shame that you just sit in the hotel and look out the window. No, totally. It's not often, but so when we yes. get the chance, we're like, oh, civilization. That's nice. <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I do appreciate you taking the time on your totally off day, which now is <laughs> totally not off because you have to talk to me. <laughs> so thank you. No worries. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today. Thank you again, Sophia. I am just loving these race reports, being able to find out some inside scoop from the racing. And this time I even got to ask questions about what I saw in the race coverage. Thank you to Dan, Leanne, and to all the athletes for making these special episodes happen. I hope you're enjoying these World Cup race reports as well. If you are, do tell your friends about Hear Her Sports. I know I say this every episode, 
and it can sound like a rote request. However, it really does make a difference for us working on the podcast and for the continued growth of what we are doing. So please tell your favorite training partner or your neighbor or whoever you think will enjoy these conversations. To find out more about Sophia or to find out how to watch the World Cup racing yourself, check out her show notes page. Also on the website, there are ways to contact me, sign up for the newsletter, listen to all of the episodes, and to support the show by purchasing books on our bookshop page and through Buy Me a Coffee. Find all that at hearhersports.com. If you are new to Hear Her Sports, a huge welcome to you. There are so many former guests to discover, including the young ski racer, Sammy Smith, and of course, all of the previous World Cup race reports. Or explore other sports like car racing with Tony Breidinger or speed skating with Olympian Aaron Jackson. And thank you. I am so appreciative that you have spent your time listening. Hear Her Sports is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. To find out more about what they offer, go to evergreenpodcast.com. Have a great week and be sure to check back in for the next race report. And until then, bye-bye. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.